Gaming on the Frontier. And welcome to Season 11! This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Pixie. Welcome to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Your podcast of stalking the night fantastic in a whole new millennia. Gosh, I mean, uh, can I get it on my cell phone? This week we're talking about the changes, uh, the vision, whatever we can come up with, with what we think the Bureau 13, the next edition of Bureau 13 should have. Because it's been through a lot of different editions at this point, and there's different ways of playing it. But if we're going to play it in the 21st century, then there's got to be some changes, and we need to basically get them out on the table so that everybody has a chance to comment on them and to approve them. So that's the main reason what we're doing here, and we're looking forward to doing it. Uh, I've done about 10 talking points, but there's a bunch of other things. The Bureau and the Shadow Works have just been, you know, their, their mantra for the 80s and 90s, evil is growing. Well, evil has also been going, yeah, these guys are, are coming at us with magic and advanced firepower and alien and futuristic technology, they're going to have to adopt the mindset that the 1890, the late 1880s Bureau fighting fire with fire. You may end up having certain supernatural creatures just coming in with all sorts of weaponry and sensors, and you might have a vampire there with his own touchpad doing whatever, trying to do stuff and, you know, research and all that. Or you might have, um, well, certain creatures still revel in their powers, so they're just going to get better tactically. They're going to realize we're going to have a squad of six to eight guys coming in with some enhanced supernatural senses and a lot of firearms. Basically, it's like an army squad, and then act accordingly. Yeah, remember the... Remember the scene in, in the, one of the later James Bonds? He's sitting in the car, and he's basically got a touchpad. And he's, he's you know, running everything from his, from his phone, essentially, or his smartphone. Okay, I, you, I can see the vampire laying in his coffin, okay? And, and she's got, the, got her touchpad, and she's, like, running her drones around, taking out, you know, the bureau. And maybe the drones look like spiders, in, <laughs> and, and, but they're, they're, really, they're really, you know, robots, and you know, and the bureau says, "Oh, we got demonic spiders, and you know, it's re- it's ignoring the poison cloud. It must be undead." And you know, and, and using that same kind of idea. And now I'm thinking, Gene. Now I'm thinking Gene Simmons with the robotic spiders from that old Tom Selleck movie, and I'm blanking on the name. Uh, it was uh, called Runaway. 
Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. 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 Run away. Or 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 they are they. Uh, I gotta use air quotes. Higher security. You know, basically, you know, Renfeld security. Well, who's the who's the guys that provide security? Trav, it's your 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 people you introduced in D twenty. Wait, what was that now? Who's the group that that basically is like the 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 really uh, the Merck kind of family? Oh, you mean the Kabbalah families? Well, there's one of them that's actually kind of like Mercs. They're like they're they're like a standing army. Oh gosh, well there is the Price family. They're not so much a standing army. The Price family is just old money, and they tapped into some eldritch power centuries ago. So they that they used they it it kind of got sucked into their bloodline. So a lot of the Price family have some matter of eldritch power in their genetics. And so between using the eldritch power and just their old money, they developed a way of fighting the supernatural because there was, okay, out of all the Kabbalah families, a lot of the disaffected went to the Curlia family, and they're trying to basically summon the old ones. So when Eric Spar, Eric the Enabler, my former co-host, and I created the Cabal, we decided that the Price family would decide, okay, you know what? That bureau over there, yeah, they've only been doing this for 150 years, but they got the secrecy thing down. Let's give them about 150 of our best and brightest of our family to help guide them to do it old school. And so, yeah... I wouldn't so much call them a standing army, but it's just they were the ones best prepared to fight the supernatural because they knew the threat that the Curlia family presented to the world. Okay. Well, I'm just saying there's probably going to be some some supernaturally uh, savvy mercs out there that might start offering their services, you know, to people, to the supernatural who's being predict. Uh, uh, preyed upon by these groups, including the Bureau. So basically, yeah, basically ex-teams that are going to the highest bidder. Possibly, depending on, or, or maybe not. Offer. Maybe they're a little bit more, you know, lo, lo, you know, more street level. Even then, still. Joe, Bob, and the boys, make sure they got a six-pack of beer and they'll be yours for the rest of the week. Or the ga- or gangbangers, yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, an inner city street gang. Yeah, that's still somebody that loyalty could sway that quick. Just, uh, yeah, that, that, that's not exactly somebody I would want. Well, also, also, it depends. On, you know, like I said, if it was a vampire, I, I had to use, you have to use air quotes, I'd hired. Especially if they have mine, you know, the, the guys may think they're being paid really well. They're not. Well, yeah. Oh no, vampires using thralls, that's been around. That Renfield is the thrall. When you say Renfield, that is like now a blanket term for a vampiric day guard. So yeah, when you said Renfield security, yes, that would be a very apt description of a vampire's hired security. You are all mind control, and it doesn't matter pay or not, you are mind control to defend me, and I've with my vast wealth have given you the best military hardware possible. Yeah. Also, I'm thinking that one re- another reason why the evil is growing, because you have a lot of neutral supernatural 
realizing they're being hunted. By the Shadowlands, yeah. Yeah, or even by the Bureau. I mean, there are some neutral... Oh, like like uh, most pixies are, I would consider, neutral. They're not good. They're not evil. But if you tick them off, they'll do things. You know, and if you start really ticking them off, they do lots of things that are bad. Josie's here nodding. <laughs> a lot of them are actually kind of mad because no one's leaving out milk for them anymore. No one's doing the things that you know, that was done for them not not much more than a century and a half ago. Yeah, well, it's like these 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 mortals today, they don't know the old ways. I used to go outside and there was a dish of milk for me waiting. They don't respect tradition. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. You also have you also got you also have the uh, immigrant pixies that came over with various immigrant waves. So you have, you know, one of the things I had set up in, in the beer, uh, here in Seattle is that there's there's been a turf war between the the native the native uh, pixies and the pixies from Europe. They've been trying to determine who's in charge of the of the of, of the pixie of uh, the pixie underground, so to speak. Well, my thing is usually when I see pixie magic, it's along the lines of practical jokes like pixie food and all that. So it's like, oh, great. So basically the mundanes of the Seattle area are going to get caught in the seltzer fire. That's a nice thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But if you get nothing together, they can, you know, they could concentrate themselves. If they all said, okay, we need to, you know, take these guys on. They're over there. All right. Let's just concentrate on the ground and make the ground move. And if enough pixies do it, the ground will move and cause an earthquake. Hmm. Especially in an area that has has fault lines, doesn't take much to get one triggered. Yeah, that's part of the ring of fire. Yeah, you're going to be setting off all sorts of stuff there. But yeah, it's just a lot of it is. In fact, the bureau's job there is, you know, moderating the 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 turf war between the pixies. (laughs) You know, it's it's we're not going to get rid of them. And they just they just disappear. They're, you you can put out pixie roach traps everywhere, and you still can't catch them all. <laughs> we have the timeline of the history, but unlike Fringeworthy, which has its early middle late campaign, Bureau Thirteen really doesn't have that. If the Ardana knew, because remember, Bureau Thirteen and Incursion is the same universe. Something like the Ardana knew landing on the White House lawn. Let's face it, folks, darn near everybody has some type of personal communication device, a tablet, a cell phone, whatever. That's going to get recorded. That's going to get uploaded to the Internet. You can't get rid of that image. The Bureau, sooner or later, we have all deduced here on this podcast, the Bureau, at some time, will be forced to go public. If they're not caught on t- caught live streamed at the t- at the time, I mean, yeah. Well, that that's what I mean. Technology has become so prevalent, we kind of are living, if not government controlled, we are still living in what would be known as a Big Brother society. You are always being watched by somebody. Yeah. If you do something you in public, there is a good chance. There's a pretty much ninety nine percent chance it will get recorded by somebody, even a passerby. Yeah. Well, remember, there, there's a show here in the Detroit area. It's like 1230 in the afternoon called Right This Minute. The entire show is about viral videos. I watch it while I'm at work at lunch. And just all sorts of stuff comes up 
That's just really weird. So it proves that everybody and their grandmother, so to speak, have some type of video taking device that they can share it with everyone. Um, oh, yeah. The, the shows like the World's Dumbest, Tab, yeah. Funniest yeah. Things, those shows show that anything can be reported. Yes. Yeah. And, and don't forget the Russian meteor. Uh, meteor impact, and you know, that was recorded on all these dash cam videos on all these cell phones. If it had happened 20 years ago, it would be lucky if one guy happened to have a uh, VHS camera pointing in the right direction. Right, but there are so many views of the of that, of that meteor coming, you know, coming through and doing its stuff. Yeah, it'd be almost impossible to track them all down and get rid of them. Well, that's what I'm saying is that. Because Bureau 13 really has had no beginning, middle, and end, there's been no constant shifting story like we have with Fringeworthy and with how prevalent technology is in everybody's hands, the Bureau will go public at some time. We have not determined in a timeline, oh, in the year 2025, something happens. The Ardana New does land at the White House, and thereby the Bureau has to go public. We've not determined that yet. It's something that we should put in the next game that, yeah, after a while, the Bureau's going to go public. You cannot hide the supernatural forever. Something is going to slip through the colander like water running through a sieve. Unless most of the supernatural does, in fact, get killed off. Ooh. 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 But then we follow into the environmental aspects of that. Right. And that was my point number three. I'm not even on my the the concept why. of us getting rid of supernatural. It's highly unlikely. It's highly unlikely. There's so much. There's so many different supernatural creatures out there. Well, it's, like we say, all stories are true, which means you're going to have. Let's say, yeah, have multiple different groups of even the same type of supernatural creature. You're not going to get rid of it all. I, I don't see the supernatural disappearing. That the Bureau saying, okay, we've gotten rid of everything. Well, no, I not didn't say that. I just said the majority. I, I mean, take a look at the United States, the way it is right now. We are constantly encroaching on the natural habitat of creatures where most um, species, wild species that used to be native to most states no longer exist in those states. And there may only be a few, and there's very few truly wild places left in the United States. And, well, the, and the supernatural may find itself essentially being herded by urban expansion into smaller and smaller areas or even entirely outside of the country and into Canada. Well, yeah, we, I mean, we've dealt with that just with animals. Um, I went to, I believe it was the Ontario Science Center ages and ages ago, and they had an exhibit called urban animals. These are animals that, due to human encroachment, have had to entirely adapt to living in an urban environment. Rats, seagulls, raccoons. Uh, And, I mean, they were all out in the forests and everything, and because humanity has just constantly pushed and pushed and pushed into their thing... You have raccoons, yeah, before they'd be foraging for berries. Now raccoons primarily digging garbage cans. Same with rats. Same with uh, seagulls. 
there's a new hybrid that is appearing here in the West. It's called the Koi Dog. It's a coyote dog uh, slash wolf hybrid. Oh, okay. and it's and it's and it's and it because it has dog, it is very comfortable in urban in urban environments. In fact, it's been spotting more koi dogs than it's been spotting coyotes as of, as of late. And they they like the urban environment. And that's something you, you got to understand. If you take out a – say you figure out how to wipe out all the pixies in New York City, something will take their place. Yeah, it's simply – it's filling a power vacuum, basically. Yes. It's a niche. It's an environmental – it's a supernatural environmental niche that has to be filled, and something will. And, it, and of course, the, where it fills it may not be as nice and pleasant as the pixies you took out. Yeah, you may have gotten rid of the pixies and replaced it with a much worse – Problem. Yeah. So are you um, saying that couldn't happen, then, what I just said? It could also go a different way. You get rid of the pixies and something that's more friendly comes in. Well, that's fine. Then that means then your job there is done because yeah. this new supernatural niche filler, that's like, yeah, they're good. We leave them alone. They leave us alone. They're right. not going to They're not going to be gonna out and about. With people. Yeah. I I say you could contain aspects of the supernatural, but get rid of uh, not so much. No, I mean look look at the things like borrowers. They live everywhere. Wherever you have a have urban settings that are at least I would say sixty years old, the old buildings are probably infested with borrowers living in there in their little communities. Yeah, and no one knows they're there. Now these are the things like the 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 children's book known as the Littles, right? Yeah, uh, Barrow's actually is, is Littles is sort of based. They're all the same thing. They're they're little people anywhere from one inch to maybe even smaller in size. Uh, the the Miyazaki movie Arity was it was a great example of that. Okay. Uh, you know of of the, how they live in, how they live within society, and there's also wild ones too. They're out there, but they uh, there's a, they definitely have urbanized themselves, and they live off of people's remnants. You know, yeah. Oh. And I put a bunch of them living in the uh, warehouse that the uh, team Fremont uses, and they've been there for six. They've been there for oh more than uh, about seventy years, and they said, "Yeah, you guys stopped talking to us in '77 for some reason." <laughs> Wonder why. (laughs) So, yeah, history, as I said, we we do need to put in the new, in future editions of the Bureau that we know where we came from, what direction is the game heading in. The Bureau will come public at some time. We will start curbing aspects of the supernatural. There might be certain enemies that we have that we've been listing like the virus and the Brotherhood of Evil and the cyberpunks. We might drive those out. We just finally, you know, we may decide that it's an outdated thing and we just get rid of it and we write it out somehow. But yeah, we need to bring in that certain enemies in the enemies list that we compiled like in the D20 edition. We just don't have a need for them. There's no buy-in to really have them as a menace anymore, due to the following reasons that we'll have that we'll get into. 
how many of those secret organizations would survive? I mean, the Bureau might be able to survive itself by saying, yeah, we, we were the good, the good um, uh, shepherds of the supernatural, you know. Would the shadow work survive, you know, scrutiny in, in the light of this new, of this new, uh, new understanding? Or would they be even further driven underground at that point? I think they would be further driven underground because of the fact that the Bureau, you know, they, they, they take care of some of these menaces in one way or another. I don't know. I, they might not be driven underground. They might just be like, okay, there's a lot of threats we don't have anymore. The Bureau, you know, has made it to where they're no longer a threat. Either they have vanquished them or they just are no longer a danger to society. I think, if anything, the Shadow Works might just go underground just due to lack of work. I think that what would happen is is that they would say, okay, fine, now that the supernatural is well acknowledged, we'll go ahead and let the, the, uh, the regular police force handle the policing of the minor things that we might have spent some time with. And we'll concentrate now on eradicating the truly, you know, uh, powerful supernatural forces that are still preying and controlling mankind. You know, your higher level demons, your, you know, your millennia old um, uh, vampire covens, your witch covens that, you know, are, are manipulating uh, weather to the degree that they're actually affecting the economies of other of countries and the political landscape of entire continents. They'd go after the big boys. That's yeah. what they would concentrate on. Yeah, and some of those big boys are international, though. So they don't they care. Definitely, yeah, they don't care. You're right. They, yeah, the, the bureau, the bureau does actually does care about boundaries. The shadow works. Yeah, no, we go wherever we need to go. Right. You know. Okay. Uh, what was it? Sort of like like the, like the Russian Night Watch. Yeah. Oh yeah, Night Watch. It's been ages since I've seen it, but yeah, I have seen it. Night Watch and Day Watch, and there's supposed to be a third one that never got done. Yeah, Twilight Watch was the third book. Actually, I heard there were like five books. There were two more after Twilight Watch, but yeah, I'm I'm familiar with the series. Of course, there's there, back in my mind is that okay if it if it becomes public and acknowledged, um, the class action lawsuits by various incarcerated supernatural would just be would boggle the mind at that point. That was something that we might have to deal with in future editions would be okay now that the supernatural is known. Joe, Mr. and Mrs. Joe America realize that there is such a thing as vampires are real, werewolves are real, aliens are real, time travel, dimension travel is real. First of all, you're going to have to deal with that type of societal just stun. Now, it could range from just, you know, people losing their minds and losing their you-know-what to... General disillusionment of the government. You've been lying to us for the past hundred years. I mean, we're going to, these are things that if, if we decide at some time the Bureau goes public because there is either just like one mass event, like the Ardana new landing at the white house or an Omega level event where the world is threatened. The Bureau has to pull out all of its arsenal now to save humanity. Oh crap. Everybody saw us, you know, yeah. We're going to have to deal in future editions with the repercussions of how that's going to change the game world. 
and I have to say, it won't it won't necessarily always be the barrel that that has this issue. I mean, let's let's be honest. Somewhere out in Tokyo Bay, a large green lizard comes out and and sets it afire. That would also be an a omega level event as well, too. And the bureau would have nothing it can do about it. I'm just saying it's something we will have to address. The bureau having to come out. So. Yeah, let, let's... Out of the closet. Yeah, okay. All right, but uh, that's sometime in the future and probably not going to be in this edition that we may well, talk yeah. about and it is an option for, for long-term campaigns. Yeah, well, we have that with Fringeworthy, but that is the, kind of the only game in Tritech's repertoire that has this full, long canon that has beginning, middle, end. Right. Yeah. Um. It's just something I think that should be thought about to put in a future edition that, okay, we have this event where the Bureau goes public. Just, yeah. I, no, I think yeah. it should be in the next one. And I think oh. that's something that they should basically say to the GM, if you do go this route, the Bureau is probably, you know, the supernatural, I shouldn't say the Bureau, the super knowledge of the supernatural is going to become a publicly accepted fact. And that's going to change your campaign. And then you will have, as John put it, Shadowrun. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, be Shadowrun. And the the legal ramifications, you'll have Supernatural demanding their rights. You know, just because, just because I was born 10,000 years ago doesn't mean I can't have civil rights. First, you have to prove you're a human being. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Uh, that- otherwise, you're vermin. <laughs> yeah, see, these are all things that's where that's where the elves and the pixies will start, you know, you know, lobbying in their unique ways. I, I'm just saying, John, you know, uh, the laws rights in this world are 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 given to humans. You know, I mean, at best you have like the SPCA kind of laws where if you mistreat, you know, uh, a, 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 there's a fine or something like that. If it is the Ardan New coming back, that also means uh, the other aliens show up too. Yeah. And they're going to say, we're people. Yeah, well, they can say it all they want to, but it still has to go through the legal system, John. Well, you're right. So it's going to be, you're going to have a world that is going to, in a campaign, let's say you're running a campaign where the Bureau gets outed because the Ardan New lands on the White House lawn or because of an Omega-level event. You're going to have to have, and this is going to be advanced GM stuff, because of the vast changes that you're having to your campaign world, you're going to have to have the gradual changing of laws and customs to deal with all these new life forms because our laws are humanocentric. Therefore, now we're having to deal with vampires and werewolves and people from other planets and other dimensions and the fact that Magic and psionics can circumvent conventional technology. He broke in. How? He teleported in. You know, yeah, these are all things that you're going to have to add to your, and you're going to have to deal with this in the campaign that conventional police will, will be useless because you have all these beings now that are more powerful than humans that one vampire could could take on an entire police force, a SWAT team, and nullify it within maybe 15 seconds. 
Normal police in a bureau campaign would be useless. This is something you'd ha- you would have to have things like special unit two be your police department. Yeah, they can deal with normal stuff, but they also have to deal with the fact that you have werewolf gangs running around because they're public now. They don't have to hide anymore. So these are things that will have to be incorporated in a future edition. Be prepared to you know have to do with this in your campaign because let's say we say in 2030 or 2040 on Bureau 13 Earth, the supernatural goes live. So I'm just saying, this is something we're going to have to prepare for. And those ramifications. In a game like that, it's entirely possible to play characters who are involved with policing the supernatural who do not belong to the Bureau, but the Bureau sort of there like the FBI. Yeah. It just... In fact, they, you know, depending on how you run your campaign, me, I keep the bureau in the government. Bruce has a semi-independent organization. But, but how are you run it? They were originally a government organization. They may just get pulled back, kicking and screaming, back into the government at that point. Yeah. With all that, with all that means. Well, because they would have to because when, however you out the supernatural in your campaign, society is going to lose their stuff. Either just because, well, let's say angels exist. The religious ramifications alone are going to cause problems. Vampires exist. They are not going to coexist as wonderfully as they do on True Blood. You're going to have people... Again, <laughs> That's funny considering how badly they, they coexisted on True Blood. Well, I mean, the fact that, oh yeah, we just accept that vampires are a part of you know life and it's like... That's one no. of the problem. That's one of the problems I have with. The, and I watched one episode, and just right there, I picked it apart. Going, humanity would not accept vampires. That there are just Easily. some people that's like, we don't care if you make a synthetic blood substitute. You're going to have some guy that just says, I ain't drinking it. Yes, that's exactly what happens, Trav. Yes, and that's that's what that's what goes on. I mean, it basically is a disaster. <clears throat> It takes it takes many seasons, but the whole thing comes tumbling down. Oh, and Trav, don't forget not not only not only are angels real, so are the Native American gods. Coyote, coyote, raven, have fun with with the with the local. Well, that's the that thing: point. the fact that every single religion's supernatural denizens are all real. The religious ramifications. Bas- well, basically, that every religion has found to be right. All of the all at once, yeah. Pretty much. And even the religions that have been dead for thousands of years, like Just, demigods, are real. Yeah, the Valkyries are real. Um, Kappa and Oni are real. Uh, Odin's pissed that no one's listened to him for the past thousand years. Yeah, exactly. Jin are real. Even if no one's even tried to talk to them, they still know that we're here, and they're probably pretty pissed. Yeah, the the ramifications of the religious angles alone, supernatural beings of a religious bent, that's going to be a massive enough change. Then you got to bring into the fact like, okay, these these demigods and beings are walking around among us now publicly— yeah, see, there's so many ramifications of that coming in that that's going to have to be handled in a future edition. And it, 
saying Shadowrun with aliens in it is putting it mildly. There'll be folks out there going, looking at certain religious organizations going, so when are they going to be turned to salt pillars? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, Things like that, you know. Okay. Uh, well, let, okay. We, we, we've, we've agreed that we're going to have to deal with that sometime. All right. Let's see. The next point we have here. Supernatural is very well hidden, so adventures are where something drives out and the opener is protected and the team has to deal with the protectors. Agents are now fighting clans of creatures, not single monsters who benefit from modern tech as well. Well, yeah, there's safety numbers. We've already discussed that. Hey, look, we now have covens. We're not just fighting the lone vampire. No, they're going to band together because the Bureau and the Shadow Works have been whomping on them for the past 40 years. Oh, great example from literature, the Red Court and the White Court from Dresden Files. Dresden Files does actually deal with the fact there are, you know, groups. And if you read other fiction, there are like at least four or five different groups of vampires who basically have divvied up the world amongst themselves. And, you know, we're all cattle for them, but, you know, they don't expand. Well, yeah, it's just like our episode that we had the world uh, that Habibi was on with us, the world of darkness in Bureau 13. You're going to have these vampiric and werewolf clans behind the scenes being movers and shakers and they would have banded together and there would be I guess casts you would have the very rich elder vampires and then you'd have the young punk vampires that oh grandma and grandpa you know they're in the old ways and we want to do this and so yeah these supernatural they'll they will have learned from the you know they would have learned early on stay in the shadows travel in numbers so, yeah, that's going to be one of the new things in the new millennium is that the idea of the single mo- isolated monster, it's an old idea as far as the game goes. Yeah, I mean, what you will run into, and because it's, it's still a thing, ghosts. Most ghosts will end up being single ghosts and so forth. But the, that's something we've always had to deal with. Well, yeah. And you always will have ghosts because when people die a certain way, they'll create a ghost. Yes. And the Bureau will go, oh, a ghost. Uh, who's that? Who's that new team we got? You guys go and deal with it, all right? You know, just here's the book. You know, make sure you do everything right. It's like it's a training it's a training session. Learn how to deal with ghosts. Yeah. Well, yeah, that 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 would be something for a low level new bureau, new millennia team. Okay, at first you're going to deal with the single ghost, and then you're going to realize that not all supernatural assignments are going to be this single ghost. You're going to be dealing with groups of supernatural acting probably often with the same type of tactical acumen that the Bureau has been trained in. You're going to be having vampires using small unit tactics, werewolves. And wearing body armor. Yeah, exactly. With ceramic ceramic plates over their heart. Okay, yeah. Over the heart, yeah. But... Usually vampires, the the concession I usually have had is vampires don't like wearing armor because they feel constricted and they'll just turn into mist anyways. But it gives them time to do it, though. Yeah, well, well, they'll still be taking into account modern technology. If they don't use it, they'll be learning to prevent it being used on them. So... Yeah, I think the the solo supernatural would be a nice. Okay, we have the millennials, team millennial, 
a bunch of 20-somethings that are a bureau team. They deal with a couple of single supernatural instances, and they think, oh, okay, this ain't too hard. Then they come up against a werewolf gang that basically is almost paramilitary, and they realize, oh, crap, this is going to be, that single supernatural stuff is going to be the exception to the norm. And so, yeah, they're going to be doing this now. Or like I've had, someone comes along and pulls that engine block out of that fairy circle, and the hunt comes through. That would be another thing. Well, because, yeah, that's still... That's not. That's still considered like a unit because you have the hunt and the hounds. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Number three: the loss of magic and key species due to human encroachment causes nature itself to react wildly to any overt display of supernatural power and supernatural death and extinction. We discussed this. Well, we discussed that with just with how animals have had to adapt. You're going to have ecosystems being changed because we have gotten into, well, I mean, it's like the whole thing with Indian burial grounds and, you know, the whole poltergeist thing where we come in and build on Indian burial ground, the ghosts come out and I wouldn't say loss of magic. Well, no loss of magic. I can see that because there are certain game conventions where as technology and science advance more magic lessons, because we rely less on the concepts of wonder and magic and chaos and our, or our, our society becomes more logical and stratified and codified. Though I do you have my mages, they don't, their spell book is on their, is on their tablet. Oh yeah. That I, 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 I use very little when I do bring magic into when I do run a bureau 13 game, which has been a while. If there's the old dusty tome, oh, and you're off time, you're you're transcribing it to your uh, your tablet using a stylus and the magical notation. That's the only time I'll bring a dusty tome into a Bureau 13 game with a mage. It's as a means to u- learn new spells. No, they've got their, their stylus and pads, and that's how they have their spell book. I've already put that in. So that, but magic, I don't see it really diminishing, just changing how it's done. Yeah. I mean, in that, again, we've actually had adventures, published adventures, where magic was being operated through um, diskettes on a computer. You know, the guy couldn't cast magic, but he was using a diskette on the computer to run a spell. Just go bad after time. You can wonder what happened. You can imagine what was happening to the spell as being recasted every so often. Animals they they have, they react to the supernatural. When certain threats come into a, let's say you're in the forest and all of a sudden you hear all all the birds and insects just stop making noise. You know there's something going on. You know that something bigger and badder has entered. And all the little stuff have gotten out of dodge or they just aren't making noise so they aren't drawing attention to themselves. When the supernatural does that, when the supernatural's around, horses start get jittery. Dogs and cats start getting twitchy. That happening a lot more will show that the supernatural 
just because humanity has become more vigilant, they're starting to move into lesser lesser inhibited places. And so that's, that spillover is going to cause nature to react accordingly. So, yeah, that I see happening. Yeah, also I can see happening as people do encroach on these forests and so forth. You'll get situations where... You know, someone drives by the house and stops and looks in the backyard. And there's this little girl playing with her pony. The one with the little horn in the middle of its head. Well, little things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> uh, until you get past the ore in the forest field and you find out it wants to kill you. Shades of murder hoof, the one I was trying to get at. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, actually, I'm thinking of, of a... Actually, of a, a webcomic called... Uh, Heavily nostrils. It's been renamed Phoebe and her unicorn. Ah, and the unicorn shields itself by putting up a spell of, of boringness. So you see it. Oh, it's a unicorn, and you don't look twice because it's boring. Hmm. Okay. You might see it as what it is, but you it just doesn't perceive register. Perceive as oh, yeah, okay. eh, it's whatever. There. Yeah, it's a unicorn. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And you yeah. watch your business. Okay, let's see. Uh, due to the lack of supernatural creatures, summoning creatures, demons, etc., should be far more common than before. They should be well-equipped and genre-savvy. Excuse me? Well, that we've already kind of even did in the 82 version where Matthias oh. Bull oh. summoned a demon to help fix his blender. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of doing that already. Right, but my point here is, is that, okay, even if the supernatural isn't disappearing it is disappearing from view i mean they're getting better at hiding because they have to all right so therefore when you're a supernatural practitioner and you want to get yourself some help it may not be that easy to find it as it used to be and you may turn to summoning creatures using summoning type spells instead to either you know yank them out of their hiding places and with the you know attendant uh, collateral damage that might cause, or from um, you know the depths of hell themselves, and 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 I'm just saying, I think you should see a, uh, and this is my opinion, uh, an increase in the percent of instances that involve things like demons and summoning creatures, summoned creatures. Why am I reminded that when there's a, a CGI cartoon where a girl summons a demon to? take out this the pretty girl who's also a, a bully and all the ramifications of that. Yeah, and then not necessarily, they don't have to all be demons. They can be spirits from the very spirit realms. I mean, there's plenty of spirit realms to pull things from, too, as well. I mean, you know. Yeah, that would be under the etc. just where it may not be a demon. It could just be a water spirit or because in Japan they have the spirit realm, which is just, they're heavily into that concept of spirits. The, what we would call probably fey. But yeah, um, yeah, due to just how vigilant humanity has become, especially the Bureau and the Shadow Works, it would be true. It, it would just be harder to find the supernatural, and so you'd have to lure them out. So you're going to be dealing with a lot more demon summoning. And we're not talking just kitchen witches screwing around in the kitchen with a frozen chicken and some, you know, McCormick seasoning using that as spell components. We're talking the hardcore 
catharsis and whatnot, having to go through all these hoops just to get a minor demon to help them out. As I mentioned with the kitchen witches, things like demonic texts and instruction manuals are going to become very available on the internet. Well, you know, yeah. The ability to summon powerful demons and creatures, which used to be something that you had to go through all kinds of of of, of you know layers of of proving yourself and before you'd be granted this secret knowledge. It's really a it's and now it's like, you know, it, it's it's on a BitTorrent. You know, it's like, yeah. It's like it's 150, you know, uh, uh, the, the people are all sharing the same, you know, uh, evil tome at the same time. Uh, I actually rem- rem- remembered of a. Uh, it was the old. It wasn't metagaming. It's one of the computer competitors to metagaming. But they did one about demon summoning, and they were referencing old apocrypha texts um, that basically had old religious texts of how to summon demons and how to bind them to your will and how to, to do tasks, not necessarily evil ones. You know, this this was actually written. You know, th- 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 uh, supposedly, it was written by Solomon. And he was using demons to do good ah. and not evil. Yeah. So you can imagine if that, that was true. Well, of course it's true. So someone gets a hold of the unexpurgated version that the church has been hiding for all these years and scans it into the instant scribd. And there it is. Let's see. Just got to learn how to read Aramaic. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bruce, you mentioned they should be well-equipped and genre-savvy. They being the summoners or the summoned? The summoned. I'd say both, but yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you would have to have, because you have people getting stuff from the internet, you're going to have your summoners being a little more tech-savvy, and the ghosts and whatnot, yeah, they're going to be, and and we did mention this in Bureau 1320, technological demons. Oh, that person, that plumber banging on that pipe to get it going. No, the way he's banging that pipe is the tone used to summon a, a a demon or a spirit born of the technological world? I remember that being at least in the '92 uh, version. And if you uh, subscribe to the uh, belief that well, belief can create anthropomorphic versions of things, uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who believe weird things right now, and those things may slowly be manifesting. You know. Out there, yeah, you know, especially you know, there's some alien out there someplace going, okay, so I I've come back in time and screwed things up, and now you guys are taking a test to find out that I screwed up your life way in the way sometime in the past. Okay, belief is a powerful thing. Yes, and if you get enough people who want to believe in it, it might come true. So uh, you got to worry about a lot of these anime folks out there. Yeah. Hey, there's some serious mythologies going on in anime. Yeah. And and there are new gods, as listed in the Bureau 13 book. The old gods may be passing away, but there's new gods stepping up. Yes, yeah. Plumbar, Plumbar the god of, 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 of old plumbing in houses. Oof. <laughs> Stuff like that, yeah. Oh. oh yeah, and new and new supernatural anthropomorphizations you know, of, of belief. So yeah, like things like the the tooth fairy, she's out there, you know, yeah, the, and she you'll never you'll never catch her. Yes. Well, it's better than the tooth fairy the tooth fairies that they had in Hellboy too. Yeah. Ugh. 
Yeah. Or they could be a it could be a it could be a, a franchise like they were in uh, Hogfather by Terry Pratchett. All right. Let's see. Uh, aberrations from magic and bio research should be more common. Similarly, cyber bio monstrosity should be more common. Well, yeah. One of the things that Bureau Thirteen has always had to deal with is higher than normal technology, such as Virus Eighty Six Forty and the cyberpunks, those would be more prevalent because you're going to have that rogue scientist delving around with technology that... He really shouldn't be. Just because of ethical reasons. Yeah. One, of the, one of the things about our, the technology in our world today is that the technology is often outbounded our ethical use. That keeps happening, and then... Really bad stuff happens, and... Well, I mean, we can chalk that up to Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project. Oppenheimer uh, wanted to do energy. The military said, we need this as a weapon. Yeah, what was that? Look at all the black research that's going on, you know, all the in, in, in these think tanks and these these uh, small, you know, research firms and that are being paid for by, you know, trillionaires and, and other specific concerns once they become aware that magic exists, they're going to try to incorporate that into biological research as well. It's things like magic and psionics might be the bridge over into tr- uh, really effective cybernetics. So that's what I'm saying is that a lot of the research that people are trying to do now in our world using you know real science, okay, could be jump started or you know jumped you know a, a, a level up because of the existence of of things like magic that can take disparate things and grind them together and make them work. I've gotten a bunch of new gamers over the past couple of years, so I've explained Fringeworthy. And one of the things I've done is explained how the Termellern did their tech. Oh, yeah, we're doing biotech, biotech, biotech. Oh, we've hit a, a, a plateau. We'll use hard tech to bypass that plateau. Okay, now we're back into biotech, biotech. Oh, we've hit another plateau. It's the same thing. Oh, we've hit as far as we can with hard tech, Oh, look, here's magic. We'll make techno magic. We'll do, we'll make a better computer using magic instead of email. Let's say it's messages sent through the astral plane. Yeah, I can see that type of stuff happening. I throw, I, I, well, um, you, Josie, you know, I throw a lot of techno magic into my campaigns. Yes, and they're supposed to allow you to contact other planes. Right. Right. I mean, Trav, imagine if all the spam that came to you actually came with a glyph of suggestion. Oh, oh, then that means there'd be a lot of Nigerians that have, you know, lost their bank accounts. It'd be getting a lot of help from me then. Uh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> let, let's let's talk about a piece of technology we already incorporated in the D twenty game, the thirteenth uh, pocket. Imagine having a crack, uh, having a supercomputer in that pocket and you interface it through your handheld device. Oh. Oh, yeah. Mm. You know, we're we're talking and we're talking the kind of stuff the, the, the technology that's currently in your phone, only now it fills up basically something the size of a of a 20-foot room. Yeah. You know, and it, and and using magic to keep it cool and operational <laughs> and you don't need to worry about charging and you always get bars no matter where you are well let's uh, also let's see aberration for magic and bio research um as i said two of the books i use in my d20 campaigns which of course you can also use in a pathfinder campaign 
One of them is called Arsenal, and it's, it deals with technomagic weapons. Well, another thing that they do, they also have psionic firearms, which basically it's the same magic creation rules. Instead, you're using psionic powers instead of magic spells. The basis for those psionic firearms is that, what was the term I used? Biocinetic. In other words, yeah, it's a psionic power, but these weapons are not built. They're grown. These are living creatures with one purpose. You push a node, i.e. pulling a trigger, and it elicits a psionic effect like a concussion beam or a lightning bolt or a heat beam. And it is a psionic power being exhibited from this creature you're holding like a gun. And it may look sort of bulbous and it may have tentacles, but you fire and it could knock down a brick wall. So, yeah, those type of things could be incorporated into Bureau because with Magic and Psy, you're now doing massive quantum leaps in, like, weapons research and computer research and medical research. An example of that would be how in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. they did the character of Mike Anderson becoming Deathlock with the whole, what the, the thing, the centipede that centipede-like device down Mike Peterson's back. Something like that would be a lot more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And, and also, don't forget the old research from the 60s and 50s. That, like, uh, here's an example. When I was in the Army, we got to go to, Tr- to Trinity, where they detonated the first atomic bomb. And one of the stories, the Rangers there, they were operating the site, used to talk about where the giant jackrabbits. And I'm thinking, you know what? Suppose there was a mutation among those rabbits. It takes time for that mutation to work itself out, and they're in the perfect place to do it. They're in the White Sands Proving Grounds. You can't go there. Yeah. I mean, you have to be a government person to go there. So there could be a colony of giant mutant rabbits in the middle of White Sands that finally hit that point where time to make a new colony someplace. Well, look, there's Almogordo. Oof. Yeah. And show up, you know, and things like that. You know, this is stuff that happened, you know, in the 50s, 60s, uh, late 70s, all the underground testing that finally come home to roost in the 21st century. Giant ants and giant spiders, you know, the old 50s movies like Them. Uh, The 90s movie uh, Eight-Legged Freaks with David Arquette. Yeah, all that stuff would be coming out. You'd be having a lot more of that because... Yeah, this stuff happened in the 50s, and now technology is 60 years later. We can intentionally make things like this. It's not a side effect of our radiation-based testing. Or or mutations take a while to propagate and and expand and do things. So it may take 40 years, 50 years for some of these things to actually get to the point where they're dangerous. You know, we're talking like multiple generations of, of you know, of rabbits. Over, you know, we're talking like uh, in forty, you no, know, six, fifty years, sixty years. Yeah, that's several hundred generations of rabbits. That's a, I don't know, I'd say about forty, gen- forty, fifty generations of rabbits at that point. Oh yeah, and now you have something equivalent to the uh, alien queen putting out giant, you know, meeting rabbits. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, let's see. Magic bio research. What else can we talk about with it? Um, oh, tech. We were touching on tech. Well, as I said, if you're using magic or psionics to bypass 
normal technology, that's where you get into technomagic, sci-tech, things that, like, a psycom. It's a, it's a, a, a thing you adhere to your temple, and it's linked to, like, four or five others, and within, like, 200 feet, you can have perfect mental communication between a group of, like, five or six of you. Imagine a group of criminals doing that. They're breaking into places and they're using these psychoms to keep perfect communication and they're just planning the ultimate capers because they can keep in contact and they don't have to have radios and stuff. Yeah, and Trev, think about it this way too because there's more than one we could, we're already trying to do that right now ourselves. So imagine there would be the psychoms which are more psionic and then there are the ones that operate on the radio band. You know, over or over, you know, or over Bluetooth or something like that. You know, they're more techno- technological and less psi. They literally are wiring the brain so you can now just dis- communicate. Well, yeah, in that in that case, then we're dealing with cybernetics. Yeah, but still, cybernetics. And like I said, the whole Mike Peterson Deathlock thing. Things that cybernetic attachments, which let's say they boost adrenaline or you found a way to enhance the twitch fibers, therefore you've got guys with incredible agility, uh, like the one psychokinetic, the guy doing the leaping and the throwing from alphas, but it's a cybernetic attachment, or something that boosts the adrenaline, like the other guy in alphas who, you know, when he amped up, he was able to, you know, move a truck. Well, the reason I added this in, Trav, is not just for the, the, the people you're going up against, but for the bureau agents themselves. I mean, oh, no, I've always believed in augmenting the Bureau agents. Because of all the advanced technology and the magic inside their disposal, I have most of my Bureau agents as Humanity 2.0, and right. they've got a wealth of options to augment themselves in order to fight the supernatural on a more even footing. Right, and but that's not in the game currently. The game currently... Well, yeah, I've you- had to add third-party stuff, but yeah. Exactly, and I'm saying is that we need to bring it into the game officially. Oh, no, I I agree a thousand percent, Bruce. Yeah, this is stuff that I'm wondering, why have we not had augmentation for our agents all along? Why why have them just be, I'm a normal, skilled human, I'm fighting a vampire? Well, if I can punch (laughs) as hard as a vampire can, there's not a whole heck of a lot that could stop me doing my job when it comes down to if I'm left with my fists. I'm still going to, you know send you back about 20 feet if I punch you. And I've just, I've always Most wondered likely. why that was never a part of the game to begin with. And, and yeah, I believe that wholeheartedly add that to the next editions. Yeah, I mean, this sort of reminds me, because I've talked about it before, you know, um, Ghosts in the Shell, uh, basically they had a team of cyborgs, they had one human, because they said they, they needed that human person on the team, just because He's the human person on the team, and it gives him a grounding. Well, it's not only that, but it means also you have one person who can't be hacked. Yeah. That's true. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Gaming on the Frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts is released under the Creative Commons 3.0 license. No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast.
Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.